What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Culture of Safety. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing okay. How you doing today? I'm good, man. We have a pretty cool uh, episode today. We're going to talk a little bit about customer perception. You know, a lot of us in the safety field, we deal with um, people that we work for, or customers. A lot yeah, of times, yeah, my customers. And uh, a lot of times, we're having to follow rules or policies that they put into place on top of ours, on top of regular regulatory stuff. So right. We brought in a guest today. Right? Yeah, I guess Stephanie. How are you doing today, Steph? I'm doing good. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I work in safety. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. How'd you get into safety? Uh, I actually fell into the position. Uh-huh. Not literally, but oh. metaphorically fell into the position. Uh, I actually was greenhouse gas for a year. Super fun. Oh, it was oh, man, so fun. Regulatory stuff is so much fun. Yeah. Looking at spreadsheets, portable combustion equipment. It was awesome. And, uh, a person who was in safety in the building was leaving and my boss said, Hey, you want to be in safety? And I was like, sure. You're like, hey, more money? Heck yeah. Why not? No, not quite. No, no. not quite more money? Not quite. Okay. No, but something new. And I went for it. So, and then here I am eight and a half years later. Wow, that's good. But yeah. when you went for it, you went for it, right? Like you have ASP now, right? I have my CSP She's now. CSP, 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 sir. How dare you? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Wow. Yeah, but I actually, actually had a, I had a bachelor's degree in business when I started. And okay. I knew at some point I was going to go for my master's, but didn't want to make that decision until I found the career. And, uh, once I got into safety, went back and got my master's Eastern Kentucky and, uh, got my CSP. That's cool. I've had awesome. that for a couple of years now. So, I mean, obviously for us, a lot of times we're contractors. We have, we, most of us follow just, you know, the generic rules. So we either have obviously OSHA, Fed OSHA, or we follow a state plan. And then typically what we have to do is we kind of have to maneuver in between all the different customers that we have, because some customers have, you know, much more restrictions, a company like yours, or some of them are a lot more relaxed. So what we want to talk about today is, you know, how is it that you, you look upon us as contractors? What is it that you expect from, you know, the safety people, the, you know, supervisors, even some of the managers and workers, like, what is it that you look for um, when you're going out to do like a field audit? Uh, in one word, uh, trust. Okay. But primarily just interaction with me um, is really imp important. I've got some people who will call me the second something happens. Uh, someone who I send an email to of requesting something. You don't have to get it to me right away, but at least tell me, hey, you know, I'm working oh, on God, it. Yeah. I need something just happened with us. I need a week. Just give me some kind of interaction. Um, communication's really big. I'm pretty open me personally, I'm a wide open book. I mean, I've dealt with both of you guys in <laughs> yeah. that circumstance, right? And uh, I, no problem telling you when I need something or something's wrong. But um, communication, honesty, uh, trust there. There's a big difference between a company who I trust to tell me what's going on versus someone who I don't. Um, and tend to focus more on the one that I don't uh, when I'm out in the field versus the other ones that I know that the safety professionals have it covered. Right. It makes so. a lot of sense because for us, we're dealing directly with the employees. And for you, you're like separated. So you don't get to see stuff directly. So you have to have trust in whoever it is that you're dealing with so that you know what's really going on. Because if you don't have that, then you're kind of in the dark because you're not directly there with the employees like we are. So it's kind of like a, I can see it being much more difficult from your point of view sometimes, probably to handle situations because you have to go through like middle people. Right. Yeah, I have... One, one of my safety professionals, anytime he calls me, I know that he's telling me exactly what's going, what's going on. It's not sugar-coated. It's not fluffed, right? It's not uh, stuff that isn't omitted. 
in the information that he's providing to me and I trust him. I don't need to go out there and, and look and at verify, it. Yeah. Right. I have others who I know are lying through their teeth the second I see their name on my phone and have to make every attempt to get either me to the field if I'm out there that day or if I'm in town for something, one of my specialists to go out and visually see it, right? Put eyes on it to make sure that what I'm being told is actually what happened. Got it. Okay. Because then, yeah, if, if you're being fed false information and obviously your your supervisor or manager asks for that information, it's it's tough for you to be like, well, I'm not exactly sure. I can't really trust the customer in this in this capacity. Yeah, I have to report up every incident that right. happens, right? And depending on the severity of the incident, different levels of the organization. Sometimes it's just my manager. Sometimes it's our CEO, right? Right. We have reviews with with her over the bigger incidents. So if I'm not out in the field and something happens, I'm expecting an investigation from the safety professional, right? right? If they're out there with a measuring tape and taking pictures and writing down witness statements and you know every angle of a job site that's what I want to see. Cause that's right. something I would do. Right. I have to be able to answer every question that an upper management is going to ask me. If you're just taking one picture of the overall scene and not measuring anything and then showing me later a presentation with lines on the presentation, guesstimating, you know, that's not we're safety is based off facts, mm. right? We're not guessers. <laughs> we need to do the investigation. So well, I think that's a, that's a really good tip. You know, like you said, we've talked about an accident investigation before. And, you know, like you said, taking pictures at different angles and, and trying to prove what we're saying happened, really happened and trying to thoroughly go through and try to fix what's going on. And I think I've, I've worked with companies both for and with other companies that have done things like that, where we're trying to hide things and trying to omit and it's very, it's very tough, you know, because ethically, obviously, for a lot of us, that's obviously a no-no, right? We're not supposed to be hiding stuff. We're supposed to be trying to make things better for the employee, right? But obviously, sometimes I kind of feel like, unfortunately, some of those individuals kind of get themselves in trouble because as we're, as we're trying to omit, right, because we're, we're a business and we're trying to keep you as a customer, if we admit fault, then that's a big, that's a big issue, right? And there obviously can be hundreds, if not millions of dollars you know, at stake, obviously we're making bids for different companies and safety record does make a huge impact. And this is where, you know, maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode is ethics. This is where ethics comes in. And I've, I've seen it myself where a lot of employees will make omissions or lies flat out just to say, Hey, this didn't happen the way that it actually happened so that we can try to maintain, you know, our, our good, our good standard or good statue with, with the client. I think that also depends on the customer that you have, right? Yeah. So the company I work for, for example, is really big on safety. Uh, I used to be, we call contractor stewardship. So anytime we brought on a new contractor, I evaluated their safety programs and we'd have kind of this onboarding meeting to get them up to, to speed on what we expected our contractors to do from a safety perspective. Right. And what I would tell them in these onboarding meetings is, if you have an incident, you have to report it immediately. If you don't, that's when you're going to get fired, mm -hmm. right? You're, we'll keep you if you have an incident, we'll work through that. But if you lie about it or don't tell us about it, you're gone, right? And so that's how we focus on it here. But I know other, uh, what you would call customers that yeah. do not have that same perspective, right? And so oh, yeah. they kind of expect oh, yeah. you to not have any incidents at all. And if you did, I could see where you would want to essentially hide it. Yeah. I actually got kicked off a job because I, I reported an incident. Yeah. We were doing, uh, uh, 
geothermal, not geothermal power plant, just a regular power plant, and they were taking out sulfuric acid out of a tank. We were literally dressed to the nines, even taped every seam. Well, as one of the employees was moving, he moved in his tape. The tape actually separated from the cloth or from the from the plastic, and acid got there and bit him on the neck. And what's the first thing that every contractor tells you? Always report injuries. Okay, I just followed the rules, right? I said an orientation. You yelled at me and said, "Hey, make sure you report all incidents." As soon as I reported an incident, the customer was like, "Uh, no, we don't report incidents here. You're out." And I'm like, "But you told me in your orientation, and I signed a piece of paper saying that I was going to do that." And so it's it's it can be like I said a little little difficult depending on the customers that you work for, but it's nice working for somebody who looks to have you know what we're we're trying to do here is trying to have a better safety culture overall. So how do you how do you affect culture in your in your profession? Obviously, as the customer, you're going out and you're dealing with employees. How do you try to how do you try to help manage the the safety cultures within companies? So I think first and foremost is I. Uh, What's the phrase I'm looking for when you tell somebody to do something and you're supposed to do it? <laughs> Direct. Uh, no, like you, uh, Manage. Like you, yeah, lead by Boss. example. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Lead by example. So, you know, I'm sure you both know this. One of my pet peeves is, uh, I've got two pet peeves for all people <laughs> in the field at all whatsoever. And, uh, one of them is that you look good. That's what I say. And by look good, right. You've got, Shirt tucked in, you're buttoned up, you got your gloves on, your H2S monitors in the right area. No, not just professional, but you're wearing all of the stuff the way you're supposed to. Got right. It. And that's an expectation of everybody. And so I should be walking out to the job site doing that exact same thing. Right. If I'm walking out with my shirt untucked, what example am I leading? Like what am I providing to them? Right. I'm saying that it that rule doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so leading by example is a big one. We actually just implemented this. Itty bitty cone policy, what we call it. Okay. Right. The, the cone in the front. Up. You have cone in the front on the hood. Probably two months ago now. And I've never, ever had to use a cone in the past because I always parked first move forward. But now it's required that we have one in the front. Right. And literally Wednesday, I got out of my car, probably walked about 20 feet and went, oh, my cone. Right. <laughs> and I turned around and went and put the cone back. Right. So I may have forgotten it, but I instantly remembered and went and fixed it. I'm not just going to keep walking and act like it doesn't matter. Right. So uh, that, I think that's a big thing on culture is um, leading by example, doing what you're supposed to do. Right? I think as you, as our customer, it's one of the few things you probably can do to really help change a culture is lead by example. Because that's what I was trying to think is like, if I was in your position, how am I going to change a culture of another company that I don't even directly influence? Well, kind of, but really, I mean, I, there, there might be other ways, but I would think that that's probably one of the major ways is just show them how to do it the right way. And then that way, if they're not doing it the right way, then you're, you're there to. Right. Because the rules, the rules, there's no exception, no matter who you are, you can be the top dog, the CEO of the company, or you can be the the temporary worker that's there for maybe a week. We all need to make sure that we're all following the same standards. Cause like I said, it's a powerful message. Like if I show up to a job site and I'm not following the same rules, everybody else does it. The, the workers will feel that they're like, well, how come I have to follow the rules? And this guy doesn't, who is he? He's nobody. Especially if you're not following the rules, then you're walking up and snapping orders at them, right. To follow different uh, rules. Right. Right. And I, the other thing that's big too, is having an operations team that supports that positive culture, right. As a safety professional, we can go out there and say rules and interact right. and provide guidance. So we're blue in the face, but if we have operations who's acting different, we're really not going to be successful. So building that relationship with the operations group, having a, you know, 
safety and operations holding hands is really imperative for a positive well, safety culture. I'm gonna I'm gonna add they have to be six feet apart. So. <laughs> right now, yes. Right now. <laughs> right now, yes. So maybe a virtual hand holding. Right, uh, virtual over over <laughs> Skype. So like we talk about the the contractors and you're going out. What are some expectations that you see of like management? I know that's one of the things that I've always had issues with is when you guys come out and the workers are usually following the rules, but it's the managers. Uh, I think Matt had um, actually no, it wasn't Matt. It was a previous guest had a, an incident where, you know, someone who's really high up came out into a job site and he wasn't wearing any PPE. And, you know, the message like how do you, how do we manage those expectations for the management of your customers? Ooh, we have a whole process for that. So that's a, it's a pretty lengthy conversation, but, um, ultimately we have, uh, if there's something like that going on where a contractor's management isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, right. And leading this negative culture, it gets elevated, uh, within my company okay. to make that conversation. And essentially they get put on the bad boy list, right. Okay. Um, and and handheld through the process until they're at a place where we feel comfortable. If they can't make that change, then essentially they go away. Okay. Yeah. That's so. interesting. So it really helps. So you're luckily for, for us, your culture really does provide that, that pathway for safety. And we, you give obviously ample, ample chances for management to step up because Matt and I both talked about management. We feel is the head of the company and the head is the one that directs the body. So if the head is looking the wrong direction, then it's obviously the body's going to go the wrong direction as well. Yep. And we don't leave them out to dry, right? We don't just see that there's a problem and, and cut them there. We do work with them, explain what we're expecting, you know, help them in any way that we can. If there's something we need to change in our approach, we do that as well. It's not just, hey, do this. And if you don't do this right now, you're out. It's we work with you to get that in place because we, we hired you for a specific reason, right? Right. So you guys went through the process of getting them onboarded and then somewhere along the way, they lost the path and you're just trying to get them back in, which is good. Yeah. It's important. It's important, I feel, for, you know, not just obviously, I don't give a crap about the management. I just care about the workers because there's the workers <laughs> that are going to get hurt, right? That's what we're here for. Well, you do have to care about management because they could get hurt too, but. <laughs> just less know. exposure. That's like, yeah. You know, especially they show up to the job site not wearing their PPE. <laughs> but no, it's it's really important. And one of the things I know that we we haven't had on this the show yet is there's perspective of a woman. And I know that you work in the oil and gas in energy industry and, you know, that industry is very rough when it comes to different genders. Nah, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty subtle out there. <laughs> well, even construction is, as well. So, I mean, how is it that you've navigated um, the, the slippery slope? Because I know, uh, like I've, I've been there before as, you know, an employee and having some of my coworkers not really give full attention to the safety woman because she was a woman. So I'm not taking, you know, any cues from a woman. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Have you had something I, like that happen? I have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, multiple times, <laughs> different levels as well. Um, I'm fortunately I'm on the male spectrum of the female side, so I'm a bit more direct and uh, it's like, uh, okay, that. that's a, yeah, it's a different podcast. Well, I, I, I tend to have more of a potty mouth, uh, as well. No. <laughs> so, so I'm, I, I tend to be more one of the guys and I'm air quoting that, um, you know, I've always been friends with men versus women, uh, for the most part, I'm into sports, go Steelers. Ooh. Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, there's uh, four of us now Four four female safety professionals, uh, at the company. And I think there's roughly, roughly 30, uh, total. So it's a pretty small number. Um, three of us are in the field, one's in the corporate office and, uh, 
One one now works for the rigs team, um, which is awesome, right? Because how often does that happen? That, yeah, especially on the rigs, it, it definitely gets mm -hmm. way far south on that. Yeah, um, it, you have to. Uh, it's hard. You have to read people. Um, I have had some negative experiences. I think that for the most part, we've started to transition into a more acceptable, more accepting culture of females. Um, again, in my industry, as you mentioned, in my industry, it's a little bit more rough than others. Right. Um, and I think where, where as a woman in this industry that you can be successful is having more interactions with individual people. So if you, for example, part of my job is to be in the field, to understand the process, uh, to get to know the people and to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And if I'm not doing that, if I'm sitting in the office doing computer work, that's, that doesn't help me at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then just safety professionals in general, when you go to a job site, acting like you already know what they're doing will not get you what you want, yep. right? You need to let them show you, you need to show them that they are the subject matter experts in the job that they're doing and let them explain what they're doing. Um, it, it gets them more willing to share things with you and they don't think you're a know-it-all. So it, it, I do get that occasionally, but for the most part, it's calmed down quite a bit. And I have been out there for a number of years. So people, you know, they know more people are, are knowing who I am and now. understand how I work. And so it's, it's becoming fine, normal, I guess. So pretty much saying leadership skills, right? You yeah. would go rather, like you said, rather than sit in the office and then come out from up high, as they say, up high and directing work, you try to get down to their level and try to understand the work and try to understand the employee rather than, rather than just trying to dictate from what we talked about before, dictate from the truck or, from your vehicle, right? Driving up, hey, you're doing this wrong, make sure you fix it, and then driving off, right? You get down, as they say, boots on the ground. <laughs> I hate that, I really do hate that term, but yeah, boots <laughs> on the ground. And, you know, interacting with them. And that's that's a good that's a good defining way of explaining leadership. Yeah, I, I think I call it more, when, I, when I'm training new safety guys, I tell them the same thing, go out there and work on building a relationship with the employees before you start going out there and, and hitting on all the compliance and stuff. Yeah, don't be a safety cop. No, build a relationship with them first, build that trust, and then it'll be much easier to do everything else in the future after that. It's the relationships that I have with some people, I can literally drive by. So as again, one of my pet peeves is shirt tucked in, right? And we started that rule a number of years ago. And the reason it's such a pet peeve is because everyone gets dressed and I don't want to nag you all day to tuck in your shirt, right? Mm -hmm. When I could be looking at things that are a higher level Important, of risk, yeah. right? And so I had this, uh, I had the welders that, that worked for me who, um, you know, they, they got to tuck them in, but they can, they complain because the slag burns them. burns them, right? And they want their shirt untucked. And so what I've told them that they could do based off of the standard is that they can wear those kind of t-shirt FR, the long sleeve mm -hmm. t-shirt material type FR um, underneath their company provided one and tuck that one in. And then their company provided shirt can be untucked and, yeah. and, and let out. Right. Well, we've had people at other locations, not like that because now they're having to check if the undershirt is tucked in. Mm -hmm. Right. But as I've mentioned I tell my, all of my contractors, this is my pet peeve up front, right? Tuck your shirt in. And so I'll ha I have guys who I have this relationship with where I can drive by and I see that they have the shirt untucked and I'm like, hey, Nick, is your shirt tucked in? And they lift the top one just to show me that the bottom one's tucked in, right? And so we have this jovial 
conversation, but they know what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then there's others who give me that look like they're just terrified because I'm showing up on location. <laughs> I'm a safety person, right? They don't know me yet, but, uh, generally, yeah, it's relationships are super big in this, in this industry. You, you can't get anyone to do anything safety related just because you're safety. No. Right. If you go up there and you just yell at them to do it, guess what happens when you leave? They're not going to do it. They're going to do never the opposite that. relationship. No. Yeah. They're going to do. And if you've thing. ever been taught this in auditing, I was told this when I first started and it's gold. You know, this is new for you guys. Golden standard. Right here, gold standard. Right here we go. Here we go. Golden standard every episode. So when you go to do an audit, right. And you watch or whatever, and you're now giving feedback, uh, Start with positive stuff first. Oh, the positivity right? the sandwich. Positive, yes. The positive, negative, positive, yeah. little positivity yeah, sandwich. Yeah, you got to start with some good stuff, right? Even if it's like the most ridiculous thing, it doesn't matter. Start with good because no one wants to be told how crappy they are off the front, mm. you know, right up top. So you start with that positivity and it's that builds the relationship. And then you get them to commit to making whatever change you need because they weren't following a rule, right? Right. And then in addition, in my opinion you need to explain the why behind you asking them to change something. I like that. Right. I, I have a hard time when somebody tells me to do something just to but, do it when yeah, I don't understand don't why, why. Yeah. if they understand why they're more likely to do it. If they come up with the solution themselves, they're more likely to do it. So instead of saying, Hey, tuck in your shirt and say, am I seeing something here? Right. Is there something that's missing? And they'd look around and they go, Oh yeah, my shirt's not, tucked in you go do you know why you need to tuck in your shirt and they say well it's a rule okay but do you know why it's mm -hmm. a rule right well what happens is if you're exposed to a flash fire it's called a chimney effect mm -hmm. and it would go between your shirt and you and burn you right so you explain the why triggers in their brain that there's a reason for this and they understand the reason and they came up with a reason that they they came up with the thing that they need to tuck it in themselves right so they're yeah. more willing to do it so just having that conversation it's that's right. a conversation, right? It's not just me barking out orders. And I think doing that would come back to what you said earlier, where you'll get those answers like, well, you know what? It's burning me when I'm welding. Like, is there another solution? Correct. And then you go down that road where you come up, you came up with a pretty creative way. Hey, like if you have an FR underneath, you can tuck that in yeah. and leave the outer layer tucked, untucked. And that way it kind of, you're making both of you guys happy. You know what I mean? You're, they're following the rule, but they're also not getting burned. Yeah. So yeah, and you don't get, you don't get to that point if you just go up there and, compliance the heck out of them and leave. exactly well not just that but then you just bought that employee now they're going to think of you in a different light and they're going to think of safety in a different light and they're going to think maybe all the other dumb things that they were told maybe those have a point too you know and not just not just that but oftentimes what i've always seen when i interact with some employees is two or three of the people that i know and i have a relationship they'll have you know one or two new employees and the employees will always tell me later on oh yeah he thinks you're a jerk and da 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 but later on down the road, those are the guys that are defending. Oh, no, Joe's here. Joe's one of us. He's he's working the field. And, and that helps change their perspective. You know, it, it starts paying dividends down the road. And you're like, wow. Oh, Joe comes on site. Everybody like like you. Steph comes on site. Everybody knows. Oh, wow. OK. They already know her pet peeves because you're very upfront with them. <laughs> hey, make sure Steph's here. Make sure your shirts shirt are tucked in. Right. It's it's managing that. And now when you go onto a job site, everybody knows. Oh, OK, this is how. When somebody approaches, it's not a secret. It's no, like, I'm trying to get you. Like you said, safety cop. I'm going to sit in, in the back waiting for you to mess up and I can come and get you. It's, hey, no, this is a, a better relationship and want you to be safer as you're working so you can go home to your family. And I think that builds a, a way better culture. And obviously, it's going to mean a lot more down the road financially for a lot of employers. 
I think it's also important to get the operations person involved as well. So typically when I go do an audit, if I see a finding, right? Like if I'm, for example, this week I was out and I saw um, somebody within the six feet, right? They were supposed to be maintaining mm -hmm. six right. feet. And if you're within that six feet, you've got to wear a mask or face shield or yeah, you know, whatever the rules of, are. Yeah, yeah, something. And so um, the welder had had his hood up trying to talk to the the helper and they were within their six feet. And they were quite a ways away. I'd have to shout and run to go say something. And real, realistically, the culture is supposed to come from operations, right? Mm -hmm. So I called the supervisor who was up there and I was like, hey, can you see this? You want to go have a conversation, right? And they went up and they addressed it, right? So that's showing that they're involved in safety as well. So there's times where you don't have to go up and be the one to make the change, right? right? You can get the person involved who's actually responsible for that crew to do that, which drives that culture. For sure. You're strengthening their culture by doing that instead of you going out there, which would probably strengthen it, but less of an impact than the way you handled it using the supervisor. And right. Because the supervisor can impact five to 10 people rather than just yourself with those one or two people. Yeah. Right. And I don't get to see every crew every day all the time, right? These people are working together every day. And so if you're getting your boss, you see every day ex having this expectation and relaying this information, it's more likely to stick than the person who saw them once mm -hmm. in six weeks. Right. right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Is there any type of a defining moment that you had when you were in safety where you thought, man, this is like the career that you want? Because you, you said that you kind of fell into it, but everybody usually has their one defining moment. They're like, wow, this is like I'm making a, a difference in the world or. <laughs> in our first episode, we talked about it and I'll, I'll briefly give you like a synopsis of what happened to me. But there was a, a time when we had welders working on a piping system inside of a tank facility and they didn't do the lockout tag out correctly and were actually welding on something or going to weld on something that was tied into a live line that connected to like eight tanks. Yeah, they had like aliens and stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. And I caught it luckily just cause I was like, Hey, let me check it real quick before you guys start. And if I wouldn't have caught it, I thought like, man, what could have happened right now? Like could this place could have blown up potentially, or they could have died. And so that was like one of the first moments in my career where I was like, all right, maybe what I'm doing is not just driving around and talking to yeah, people. Yeah, it's not, it's not what everybody perceives. Safety. Yeah. Maybe like there's an actual value to what it is that you do within the company. So this question is like the worst question for me ever. Uh -oh. I get this at conferences a lot too, and I don't have a good answer. Um, I'm pretty fortunate that I haven't had one of those experiences. I started in the corporate office, uh, primarily around programs and then mm -hmm. reviewing contractors programs. Right. So I didn't get to see that firsthand, you know, hazard situation where we really had a bunch of risk. I was supporting the corporate office for the most part, which is people at a desk, right? Right. Um, and I'm now in the field, I've been in the field for about three years uh, in a group that does some construction type stuff and have some explosives as well and recordable free still. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's good. <laughs> so I haven't had one of those big experiences, but I also am a normal, like by default, I'm a big rule follower and I overanalyze everything. And I also am an extrovert that want to have relationships with people. And so I've been able to be a spokesperson for those people in the field that are constantly told some rule, right? Just follow this rule because I said so. Somebody else got hurt and they don't know why um, and they have to do it. And then it, it increases their exposure to something else, right? But mm -hmm. whoever made this rule hasn't done that evaluation. And so um, what I love most about the position that I'm in now is being able to make those adjustments as a 
customer for my contractors to allow them to work safer. Okay. Right. I, I did have an ex, a couple exposures as on a personal perspective um, that mirrored some work that I was doing as an adult that kind of drove at home that I wanted to stay in safety. I had a heat stroke as a kid, uh, which was rough. And uh, yeah, it, it, I was played goalie soccer in Camarillo, which is like the most gorgeous weather yeah, ever. Where it gets like right? 85 like It doesn't get above 80. No one there has ever heard of heat stroke. <laughs> like what? Uh, but I was at a soccer camp for a week and fully clothed, right? Shin guards, socks, sliding shorts, long sleeve goalie jersey, gloves, head to toe covered, right? For a week. And it was about 80 the whole week, but a week worth of running and drills and stuff, fully clothed, I ended up with a heat stroke. And so when I got into safety here, I made the, the heat illness presentation. I mean, that was the big standard that had come out at the time and was going out and explaining this to the whole field with all the, the expectations. And it, it like clicked, right? All these things that you could do to prevent having that situation. And it, it has affected me negatively. My, my temperature gauge is off. I'm either fr- frozen or I'm burning hot. You know, you can get dizzy quickly because you get hot quickly. Right. And you have to drink a bunch of fluids to compensate for your fluid loss. And so it, it, that instance I had when I was 12 has affected me for the rest of my life. And I don't want anyone to have to have that same situation. So just being able to, to know that it's preventing someone else from going through what I've gone through on a personal level. So that, really, that would probably be a perfect textbook definition of a defining moment when you got into <laughs> safety and you realize like, oh, I, I went through something. <laughs> As a child, and you can see the repercussions down the line, obviously, because you live it every day, you can prevent that and you can you can tell your story and give it a lot more emphasis than people who've never had to work in the heat before. I guess that's true. So that would be, there you go. <laughs> write that down. That is my defining moment. It just I wasn't work-based, you know? I didn't, I didn't have an incident that happened at work. We that saved was the, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. That's you know, okay. I didn't have a leg chopped off or saw someone's leg chopped off. It that would just, be terrible. Yeah. So. Actually, that sounds like it would be really fun to run right now. Um, it's it's really important for us to get this perspective because a lot of a lot of us subcontractors or contractors don't really get that experience. We deal with customers obviously from our perspective, but to see the way that you guys care about safety and how it's literally built into your your company is a lot more important for us to understand, right? Because like you said, some customers they don't care. They're like, yeah, don't report any injuries, but or a company like yours, it's really important for us to identify like, yes, it's important to have those relationships. It's important to have that trust because I'm pretty sure you can go out to an incident and if it's with, you know, a company that you don't trust, you have to do two to three times more work. And that's going to affect us as a safety professional, right? Because you're not going to be as friendly or as nice because the things that I'm telling you, you already have, you know, in the back of your mind, like, oh, this guy's just lying to me. He's just trying to tell me what I want to hear. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes is the short answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think we should end on some really good tips. I mean, I have a, a bunch written down. I mean, definitely leadership skills. We've, we've talked about that quite a bit and building the relationships, being boots on the ground. And, you know, like you said, going out and interacting with the employees lead by example. I mean, I'm sure you have a couple of examples where you have managers coming out and not following the rules, right? Yep. Plenty of them. 
So one of the other things too, I think we should give as a hot tip is managing expectations, right? Like you said, you're upfront. When you come out, this is what I expect. The first thing that I care about is if I'm walking to a job site and you're looking like a slob, that's my first main issue, right? Because obviously if I'm looking slovenly when I'm showing up to talk to you, then what does the rest of my job site look like? Exactly. Right. And that's one of the things, that's one of the cues I've always had is, you know, as we roll up to a job site and I notice that the, you know, the, the person leading the work is sees me and he starts darting or sending workers all over. That's like a red flag. Like, okay, where, where is that guy going? Mm-hmm. What is he doing? Why is he filling out paperwork? Right. What is it that I'm, that you're going to try to lie? Like you said, trust, what are you going to try to lie to me? I already know, I already know the answer. Um, I also think one of the hottest tips I think too, is explaining why that's I'm always, I've always been about explaining why, because employees don't really care what you know until they know that you care. Right. And it's understanding those rules that's what provides the pathway for them to go, oh, okay. So it's not just some arbitrary rule that we made because, you know, something happened 10 years ago. No, it's an actual rule to keep me to keep me safe. Yeah, newer, uh, younger people coming into the industry right now really, really need the why. They're in that generation that doesn't just do stuff because they're yeah. told to, right? It's true, the yeah. Older generations just do what they're told um, and younger don't right yeah. and so well, i challenge i challenge all the rules yeah <laughs> really like explaining why it's like big for our generation and younger right so as they're coming into this workforce and they don't they haven't had any exposures to any of this industry right um they really need to explain the why they need to know that someone got hurt doing that before and that's why this rule is in place right, right? And we're trying to prevent that from happening to you and explaining why really gets people on board yeah i think it also helps with the culture because in moving forward any type of new rules are going to be a lot more likely to be followed because they'll understand okay well i may not know the why but i understand the other reasons why we did this so they probably have a good reason i'll probably learn probably through you as we go along like oh hey how come this new rule changed oh well you know we did all these statistical you know analysis and all that boring stuff they're like i have no idea what you said (laughs) (laughs) charts numbers right they're like hmm Pareto principle i remember that and junior high. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, Matt. Um, I think probably another really good one was the sub- subject matter expert, you know, going in and making, making them feel like you're learning about their process because I've been there before and I've made that mistake early in my early years is pretending like I knew what was going on. I think I knew a rule, but I didn't realize it applied in different ways. I had never really understood how, you know, all the different, you know, construction codes versus, you know, general industry codes and how they lined up. So I was applying the wrong rule. And it wasn't until somebody had corrected me. That's when I realized, like, oh, okay. And that's why when you go out, you should ask them, well, why, why are you doing it this way? And it could be, you know, oftentimes it's an SOP, right? They're all, oh, I'm just following the SOP. Well, the SOP is wrong. So then, like you said, we'll go back with the contractor and say, hey, we need to make a change to this SOP because they're doing all these things that are additional to what they're doing. They don't need any of this stuff or they have something that have them doing a hazard that's not been mitigated. You should understand their process and then take their process and apply safety to it. You're not going to take safety and throw it on their job. Right. Right. So you make safety work for them, not against them. I like that. Make safety work for them, not against them. We're going to t- turn on. Somebody <laughs> catchphrase. Yeah, we're going to go put that as a catchphrase. <laughs> it's better than the gold standard. And we're going to copyright that. We make t-shirts. We make millions of dollars. 
We already have lots of t-shirt ideas. I'll take 10%. Thanks. There you go. 3% to match. Do you have any more tips that you would like to give? Any Anything that Joe didn't mention that you think would be important for a customer? For safety customer. professionals or even women in safety? Answer your phone. Okay. I know, answer, I know that sounds so crazy, but everybody answer, answer your, your phone. phone. Uh, here's a little fun fact tidbit. On iPhones, at least, if you're getting a phone call, so what I've actually done, because I answer my phone anytime anyone calls me, yeah, expecting same. it to be some kind of incident or they need help with something, right? Well, if I'm in a meeting, I don't want to step out of whatever this meeting mm-hmm. is, because it's probably an important meeting, to answer a call and then just say like, hey, I was wondering this random question, right? Not I think Nothing that was immediate. Right, important, yeah. yeah, so I change this. When you get a phone call, you can answer with a message and mm-hmm. it says, in a meeting, should I step out? Yeah. Right. So you get an immediate response instead of me having to wait the hour and then responding to you. Right. Um, Sometimes things in safety are immediate. I need you to answer the phone right this second. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're not answering your phone or calling me back, I get it if you're driving. Right. Because we don't want you texting and driving. But other than that, answer your phone. Right. Your, Your job is to protect people. And if at this time I need you to go do something because there's people at risk, answer your phone. Yeah. That's a big one. Being able to get in contact with people is like so top for me respond to emails right even if you can't do exactly what the email is needing you to do hey give me a couple days super easy right then i know that you're actually paying attention to what my request is that's yeah, uh, really frustrating when you send somebody an email and like you don't get a response for a week and you're just like did they get it did yeah. they not get it like what's going on the only reason i can i can counteract that is uh, i've worked for companies where everything is an email and then nobody knows the difference between reply CC. and reply all. Yeah. <laughs> and then it becomes 30 people, 40 people, 50 people within a business unit. And they're all replying, reply all. That's it. That's a whole nother problem. It, That's a whole nother oh, story. Man. <laughs> those, those are the worst. And at that point, I'm like, no, there's there's a button. I think they, I think Microsoft would, would change the world if they just put reply on one side and reply all on the other. That way there's no accidentally hitting the reply <laughs> all because, man, there's just emails all the time and i i agree i i think it's really important especially for our position to get that communication because that's literally the majority of what we do yep. we communicate with you the customer we communicate with management we communicate with the employees we're kind of like the middlemen for everything or women or women <laughs> uh i'm sorry I wait mean, middle person men is part of women right like well man so middle like... person <laughs> z and zer and all those all right that's yeah. a different podcast not ours <laughs> but yeah it's important for us to have that communication obviously for you the customer it's important that we communicate like you said communicate with you immediately so you understand what's going on it builds that trust because when i go into a presentation I hope that you go, yeah, yeah, Joe, okay, yeah, the things that you're presenting to me are probably what happened and that you are doing your due diligence to make things better, Yep. right? Rather than, oh, yeah, that this, uh, this, you see this line here? It's about eight feet, you know, you're trying to look at a picture and you're like, that does not look like eight feet. No, no, no measuring ruler. You just. Yeah, and I'm, I'm good with helping you out too, right? So if you're a new safety professional and you have an incident, you don't know how to fully investigate. You don't need, know that you need to have a tape measure available, right? And you or, or a hand for reference, something that is a reference point if mm-hmm. you don't have a tape measure available. I'm good with helping you do that. But if you don't call call me and let me know what's going on, I can't do that, right? And so then evidence gets lost, right? You, you don't have the same data that you can find out what happened in the incident because yeah. somebody changed something, right? So communication is big uh, and having that available for somebody. Another really good one, know your process, the process that you support, Right. As a customer, I've got a whole bunch of contractors. 
that specialize in different processes. If the safety person cannot explain to me something that is going on in their process, how do I know they know what's going on at all? Right. <laughs> right. Especially when it comes to an accident. Yeah. How, why was that finger there? Because they were doing it this way, right? Be able to explain your process, understand your process. I don't need you to be able to side off regulation numbers because we all have Google and can look it up, right? right? But understand your process so that we can make it better. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I like, I like it. So hopefully you already got those tips and we will see you guys next week. Uh, wait, hold on. Don't forget, <laughs> if you guys want to reach out to us, you can contact us at Joe. You guys can reach us at the culture of safety at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or I think it's just, we're only on Facebook right now. Yeah. No Twitter or Instagram, Instagram or TikTok sure. or I think that's it. I don't remember all the other ones. Yeah. Just send us in anything, any questions you have. Uh, well, if you guys send us stuff in like we did last week, we'll talk about some of the emails we got. We didn't do it this week, but um, yeah, send us in anything you have questions, topics, whatever. And we'll get back to you. Yeah. You guys have a good week. Thank you for Thank coming you. in. Steph. Thanks for coming Thanks in. Thanks for having Steph. me. All right, bye. Bye. bye.